eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. Bye, Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino down the sideline into the end zone. Touchdown Giants! From the offseason through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. Another victory, one giant step. It's Sean Morash. It's Paul Dottino here on One Giant Step, courtesy of Odyssey. And download and subscribe everywhere podcasts are downloadable slash available. And what is available is a 3 and one Giants record. I know it didn't make any sense, but it made sense to me. Paul, hello. How are you? Good morning, Sean. You know, it's funny. When you look at this team, you say three and one. You say, wow, they're doing really, really well. And then you look at the injury list and you say, well, how long can they keep it up? Right. But three and one is still three and one. Yeah, and and over the course of the next half an hour, we're going to do some positives. We're going to do some negatives, and we'll dive into the injuries. And, and as we look ahead to London, kind of you know take it in here a quarter of the season. And I will tell you, Paul, it was just moments ago before recording this, I ran into our friend Boomer Esiason in the newsroom here where I am up at our Odyssey studios. And obviously knows he talks Giants with me. Comes up and goes, three and one, but boy, do you guys suck. And I said, you know what, Boomer? I'm glad you said that, and that's fine. But you know what? This would have been the last couple of years. We would have been told we sucked, and we would have been one in three or zero oh and four. So I don't care how ugly it looks, Paul. I know that they have guys making strides and guys who are making plays. I'm not going to focus too much on the guys not making the plays. They're three and one, and three and one matters. And they are beating teams like the Chicago Bears, like the Carolina Panthers, that they are better than, or at least on the same level playing field as. And they are not the ones getting beaten this year. And I think that, at a bare minimum, before we get into the ugliness needs to be addressed. The coaching has mattered here for the New York Giants. Well, there's no question about that. And it's been from top to bottom. Uh, address the three and one first off. First time Giants, of course, have been three and one since 2011 when they won the Super Bowl. Um, regarding Boomer Esiason's comment, hey, you know what? Every football coach will tell you they want their team to be on the upswing and playing their best ball in December. And January, if they're so lucky to get into the playoffs. Yes. No no head coach wants his team to play the best ball in September. Right. So, so every coach should be saying to himself, uh, you know what? We got a lot of room for improvement. So you want that arrow to be up. Right. So, you know, yeah. Boomer's been around the game a long time. He you should know that, know. right. 
And and if and when they are playing their best football in December, January, you know what also matters? Stashing wins like this in the pocket now yes. to keep you relevant and keep you in a playoff race. Now, as far as the game itself, Paul, look, the, the Giants, once again, what's becoming my favorite part of the season, no two game plans look alike. And this game was about, hey, we are going to run it down the Bears' throats until they don't allow us to run it down their throats. And the Bears allowed them to do it all game long. Saquon Barkley was a freak of nature. And before injury, Daniel Jones, I mean, the idea that the Bears could not adjust and figure out these bootlegs, Daniel Jones was fantastic. And I can't stress this enough. And I'm going to get to the negative of Daniel Jones getting hurt again, all of that. How many times on these runs? The fumbles aren't happening there anymore, Paul. He's really protected the football. He's played really smart football. I mean, he's getting still no favors from receivers, right? Darius Slayton drops that big pass. We called for Slayton. That, thank goodness, was a pass interference. David Sills is still running backwards with the football, not running forwards. Tanner Hudson drops a big pass. Daniel Jones's passing numbers weren't pretty, but again, didn't get much help from his supporting cast, and it was him and Saquon on the ground, and they were tremendous all day. You know, there's a lot of elements to unpack there, but let's go through the first one, and that is the game planning by the coaches to run the football. You know, it's been said now numerous times over the course of the month, and I'm just going to keep battering this sucker Holmes, just like Saquon Barkley through the line of scrimmage. (laughs) This coaching staff was supposed to be known for passing it, being fancy, flinging it around, and doing a lot of video game kind of stuff. But that's not what they're doing. They are doing the smart thing. Maybe it's their inclination to want to do the other stuff, but they know what they've got on this roster and they know what they need to do to win. And they're putting that above any inclination they may have to be fancy. And they ran a ton of two tight end and three tight end sets. They dialed it back and played old school smash mouth football. And they gave Saquon Barkley a career high in carries as this team ran the ball for well over 200 yards on the day. And I mean, credit to the uh, offensive line, Paul. Credit no to the question. offensive line that basically lost the game in Dallas. And, and I know this was different. It was it was run blocking more so. But those guys all graded. And including, by the way, I've gotten a lot on Azudu and Ben Bredesen, but this was a good game to play the strengths when Glowinski goes down for a little bit. This offensive line was run blocking tremendous. Andrew Thomas, I mean, basically – uh, Quinn had no shot versus him all day long. The offensive line deserves credit for bouncing back like that and being such a big contributor to this win. Thomas really shut Quinn out. I mean, there was one quarterback hit and one assistant yeah. tackle. For Quinn Robert was Quinn. on his ass all day long, Paul. I'm sure you'll see in the tape. He literally eating dirt. It was it was very, very impressive. I talked to Thomas coming off the field yesterday, and uh, I, I couldn't help but go up to him because it was that dominant of a performance against a very quality pass rusher. Quinn doesn't always want to play the run, but he gets after the quarterback. Now, I will tell you this. The one who surprised me on the offensive line more than anything else, to be frank with you, I thought Hamilton playing at tackle when Neal's neck went down really showed me something because during the preseason, uh, he did not look like a tackle to me. He looked like he was more functional as a guard and not so much as a tackle. But here in an emergency situation, he was functional. And I think the other guy, I got to give a pat on the back to is Bredesen. Because going in, Bredesen, the reason that he plays more than Azuda is because of his experience and his smarts and his craftiness. But physically, he's not the specimen Azuda is. And if you're going to run the football, 
and pound it out? You want the big, strong body of a Zudu to smash mouth. And yet it was Bredesen. And, of course, we know that Lewinsky got nicked up, and so both of the guys wound up having to play. But Bredesen actually played the entire game, did yeah. not miss a snap. He's and you good. know what? He held up in the run game really, right. really well, probably as good as he's ever done. Well, and, and he's still a young player. He's a lot. And I think this is where we get lost a lot of times with Giant fans. And we scream and yell and we get negative with certain guys that we see stink for a long time. Guys are allowed to get better with good coaching with the Giants have. Yes. And yes. Ben Bredesen is allowed, like anybody else, even if he stunk at times this year, to get better, watch film, and let the coaches work with him. And again, he was important. And you think about, I'm glad you brought up Devery Hamilton. You think about preseason, right? When Gano has that injury or sudden retirement, I forget exactly what happened with him. But the swing tackle spot for the Giants was so highly debated. And here comes Devery Hamilton out of nowhere. Well, guess what? Being a swing tackle, somebody goes down in game like a Neil or a Thomas, hold the fort as best you can without wrecking the game. Devery Hamilton passed that with flying colors, and that was huge. I mean, in a game that was one possession, he didn't go out there and get obliterated at right tackle, which was so, which was so important. And going on to the coaching front, before we get to the injuries and some of the negative stuff, because there is still plenty of that, obviously, in a game like this, Brian Dable and, and Saquon's comments after the game about basically Dable with the board out like he's Van Gundy in the 90s playoffs with the Knicks, drawing up the wild card, you know, the wildcat plays, it – just to, I know this shouldn't have to be said because it seems obvious as a head coach. The presence of mind to not panic under a situation where you lose both of your quarterbacks and basically say, forget this playbook. This is what we have to do. Trust Saquon. Figure it out. Daniel Jones, I guess, in there with the headset on. That was an unbelievable coaching job on the fly and an unbelievable execution job to really get to the Giants in a point where they weren't just handing the ball back and giving Chicago a chance to tie the game, Paul. You know, this is one of the reasons why a head coach should not double as the offensive coordinator because he gets to Great clear point. his mind out and isn't overwhelmed with having to have that stupid play sheet in front of him. And he's able to handle the big picture and then any emergency that may pop up in a given situation. I, I applauded Dable's decision to allow Kafka to call the plays. I think it paid dividends yesterday, probably more than any other time so far this Such season. Such a good point, Paul. Okay. Good point. Yeah. And, May I add to you, what he did yesterday reminded me of what Steve Spagnolo used to do when he was the Giants' defensive coordinator back in his first uh, tenure with the Giants. Spags would go over to his, his pass rushing specialists, the Tucks and the Yomanuras and the Strayans and the Pierces and you know all the, the leaders on the defense. And there were many times where he would go over to the bench and literally take his finger and draw up a play in the dirt. Swear to God, I saw it. Unreal. And Unreal. and that's kind of, Dable kind of gave me a throwback to Spags when right. he grabbed the grease board. Forget about great. the computerized stuff, okay? We don't need Madden and Xbox and gadgets. We're playing street ball, baby. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I could tell you, Paul, there was a moment I'm watching the game with my dad, my sister, my father-in-law, and my father's telling me to calm down as I'm freaking out, basically. Daniel Jones is out there stinting at wide receiver, and I'm trying to grasp what's going on on TV. He's telling me to calm down, and that was the calming influence was Brian Dable was so calm in that moment. It was unbelievable, and it worked. Now, towards the negatives. This is a laundry list of injuries, and clearly there were inactives that were crucially important. We keep saying every week, who the heck knows with Kadarius, Tony, and Wondell Robinson. And the more you watch these wide receivers play, the more you say they need these guys more than ever, just even for some yards after the catch factor here with catches. But those guys don't play. You're hoping you get them back at some point. Leonard Williams didn't end up playing. Who knows? Now it's two weeks here. I'm assuming he's going to be on the flight to London. But the guys in game that get hurt. You mentioned Evan Neal with the neck. That's an important injury. We'll see. It felt like postgame. Maybe it wasn't as bad as we thought it could be. Uh, clearly, guys like Aaron Robinson, who you felt bad for, comes back, hurts his knee. Julian Love with a concussion. Uh, and then the quarterbacks as well. And I, so, I know I'm not naming everybody. Two things. Number one, Tyrod Taylor. You hate to see a guy get dinged like that with a concussion. But, Paul, I have to be honest with you. He did a nice job coming in, rolls out, and I know a lot of what he does is mobile, and that works with the Daniel Jones offense. you got to be smarter than going head-on here, even while getting a first down when your quarterback's down. I'm sorry. That was a completely preventable situation and injury. I know Tyrod Taylor's trying to make a play, and I appreciate him for that. It's bringing way more to the table than Mike Lennon was, but you have to know your place as a backup quarterback and know – I can't turn the ball over, number one. Number two, I can't go out there and put myself in a spot where I'm getting hurt and putting the team in a situation like that. The Tyrod Taylor injury bothered me yesterday, Paul. Yeah, he was over-aggressive. He was over-eager. He was doing everything he could to make a play, and you're right. He's got to be more mindful of that. It was not the smartest play, even though it's admirable and the effort is certainly something right. that you'd like to see. Uh, you know, he takes the helmet-to-helmet hit. I'll, I'll be frank with you. I wasn't real happy to see him get the second hit as the ball popped free after the helmet to helmet. Then it was Brisker who came in yeah. from behind and actually gives him like a, a fist or a forearm yeah, to the back pop. of the head and buries him into the ground. Oh, look, uh, wait, wait, uh, it's not an excuse of the way the Bears, you know, hit on that play. There's no doubt about it. Like, but my point was you go feet first like that once you get the first. Yeah. And if they take a shot at you, then I can't kill you on it. He's diving right. head first, Paul. With the quarterback already down, you can't be doing that. You no, no, I, I totally totally agree with the point, Sean. There's no question. I agree with the point. Uh, I was just really surprised, especially in light of how the quarterbacks uh, have been in the headlines lately because of various injuries and hits. I was just really surprised after the Bears pummeled Tyrod Taylor on that play, not once but twice. Uh, nobody said anything about it officiating-wise. Yeah, and, and now for Daniel Jones, and we'll get to the defense, and Dexter Lawrence deserves basically a badge of honor. So here's my here's my deal with Daniel Jones. You know this has been a very pro-Daniel Jones podcast, and anytime I've had a debate over the last year with anybody who wants to tell me Daniel Jones is not a franchise quarterback, and they tell me why, they never bring up the big issue. And to me, 
any reason I would shy away from paying Daniel Jones any kind of money to be the franchise quarterback has always been about his health. We probably took Eli Manning for granted that he was out there every given game. But even when Eli Manning was battling injuries, and you remember Paul in 2007 when he has the shoulder injury and Chris Mortensen's reporting he's going to be gone. Oh, guess what? Eli Manning plays through it, and he plays well. How many times did he take beatings, and he never said a word, and he played through injuries? I've seen Daniel Jones now in his career attempt to play through injuries, and this is what's going to concern me potentially about London. And when he doesn't have his legs, he's not the same quarterback, and he is really ineffective where Eli had that ability to be effective. Daniel Jones's constant injuries drive me nuts. I know teams deal with the quarterback injuries all around the league and we were spoiled with Eli Manning, but this, this what happened yesterday, the good of Daniel Jones managing that game perfectly, not turning it over, running those in twice, but to get hurt again, it just drives you nuts as a giant fan. How many times do we have to watch this guy get hurt? No, I understand. Uh, This one was another fluke injury. It was on the sack by Brisker. Yep. uh, Who basically stepped on Jones's left ankle when he brought him down. And, and that's where, that's where he got hurt. Uh, he stayed in for the next two plays, handoff to Barkley. Uh, and then Gano kicks the field goal. And that was uh, in the third quarter with about two minutes or so to go. Um, you know, the thing that I'll say about this, I- I've always believed that the Giants uh, were hopeful and optimistic of Jones's performance enough that he would get a new deal. I think his play over the first four weeks has strongly trended in that direction. Now, it's my belief that the Giants, by the middle of this season, would actually, if they saw enough of Jones, would be willing to actually talk to him about a modest deal and the injury factor works in their favor because I believe that Daniel Jones may want to bet on himself and be willing to take a David Carr type of deal. Okay. What he took with uh, or Derek Carr kind of deal with the Raiders where it wouldn't max out and it wouldn't be maybe a really long-term deal, but maybe a shorter term deal for a little bit less of money because he knows he's been hurt a lot. He knows he's missed a lot of games and you know, bird in the hand is worth more than two in the bush. And I and I think it's Chipolism. Chipolism. You're not wrong, Paul. And and to that point, who's given Daniel Jones a big deal? Like in all seriousness, who's given Daniel Jones a big deal? At this point, well, what I, that's, you've why, seen, I, that's why yeah. I think a, a modest deal, even if it's a three-year deal with a fourth-year option with, with, with some really sweet incentives built in, I, I I don't think Daniel Jones is foolish enough to pass on a deal like that. And I think it actually will work well for both sides because Jones would get his extension and the Giants may actually get away a little cheaper based on the performance of the player. And obviously we don't know where this stands right now. It felt positive to a, to an extent. I know Ian Rappaport had that report on Monday morning too, that, you know, he's being listed as day to day. The problem here, the giants keep listing guys day to day. And it feels like it's weeks before right. you see him. Right. Dave on Thibodeau, yeah. Wandell Robinson, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Dr. So, Dable loves day to day. That's his right. favorite prognosis. And Daniel Jones pleading to go back in the fact that they allowed him on the field, even after the tie rod injury. And I know a lot of had to do with communication tells me you can't think it's worst case scenario. Clearly. Yeah. Otherwise you're not letting him on the field, but you know, let's wait and see here because if Daniel Jones ends up missing a couple weeks again and then you get to the point where he's playing 14 games in a season, you know, you just you got to play games. And on top of that, if he does play this week, 
and I know this is a mile down the road. You were six days away from it. How effective can you be without your full bootleg Rolodex? But I guess also that would require wide receivers getting open. Now, quickly on the defense. I want to give you two points real quick, Sean. All right. Number one, the long plane ride to London. Joints swell. Injured joints swell in those situations. So whatever sprain or degree of sprained ankle that Daniel Jones has, the Giants need to be very careful because the trip to England could wind up impacting him in a negative way because that is a a six-and-a-half-hour flight. That's something they're going to have to deal with. The trainers are going to have to be real careful with him, probably a lot of ice, magnets, and stuff of that nature to calm it down. Paul, now let me ask you this. You bring that up. I clear that that was something I hadn't thought of. The Giants are flying there on Thursday. If that's a real concern, shouldn't you do like, uh, you know, sometimes baseball teams do a major league pitcher? Shouldn't you get Daniel Jones on a plane on Monday? Give that, if that's really a thing, wouldn't you consider getting Daniel Jones out to London earlier with trainers? This way you're not worried about if he lands with swelling on Friday, that could totally ruin him. Well, I would think first things first, they want to going to give him the best hometown treatment that they can't give him. Because remember, once you get on that plane and go over the ocean, now you're subjected to whatever makeshift operations that you're able to put together. Hey, Paul, so they had the they, Paul, the queen lived forever here. I mean, you know, yeah. it seems like they got good medicine <laughs> over there. Yes, she did. God bless her and rest her soul. <laughs> but but we're talking about football players, not uh, hierarchies uh, sitting okay. on the throne. So, you know, I think they would want to have him initially here as long as they could. So I, I don't know that they'd want to send him over there. But I will say a couple of things about this. Number one. Yes, the giant medical staff is going to be uh, in tip-top form trying to make sure that he gets the best care he can. Number two, Davis Webb obviously is going to be activated because Tyrod Taylor's in concussion protocol, so you're going to need a second active quarterback. And the anyway. NFL's not fooling around now more than ever with concussions. No, after absolutely not. Even, so, if, even if Tyrod's cleared, Paul, I don't think he's dressing on Sunday. I don't think anybody with a concussion this week in the NFL is dressing on Sunday, and that goes with I would concur. Too. I would concur. Yeah. All right, so 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 that's one part of, uh, of the scenario. Um, the other part of, of this, and I think it's important to, to understand, Daniel Jones basically talked his way back onto the field after a sprained ankle uh, when he played against Arizona at MetLife Stadium a couple of years ago. You'll remember that. Of course. Yeah. It did not go well. So no. you raise a very legit point. If Daniel Jones is not himself ankle-wise, how much of that playbook is compromised? Even if he's well enough to play, there are chapters they're going to have to either reduce or take out. And the most important chapters, the most important chapters of the offense so far, mind you. Yeah. Now, I will tell you this. It's because he's a gamer. And the Giants, as you remember, albeit it was a uh, an ugly season, they were still in a playoff race that year. And he forced his way into the lineup. He convinced Joe Judge that I can go, I can go. And it was a game-time decision, and he forced his way in. He argued his way in. It turned out to be the detriment because I, I truly believe the Giants would have been much better off not playing him in that Cardinals game. Will the same thing happen here? I think it's a great question. I don't know if the medical staff says to Dable, okay, we could check off in terms of his health. Does Dable allow Jones impacting his decision? In other words, is Dable one of those coaches 
who can be talked into playing a player if the guy is that competitive and that forceful about it. Some coaches will not be talked into anything. I don't know Dable well enough. Paul, what what frustrates me here with Jones is that, in my opinion, if Tyrod Taylor doesn't suffer that concussion, I don't think the conversation today is about whether Jones is able to play or not. I think the Giants probably already play it safe because they probably would trust Tyrod Taylor for a week. And the fact that you don't have him, I think I just worry that that's going to rush the judgment on playing him and screwing something else up. That would bother me. That's the part of Dable's processing that I can't get into right now. I just don't know. I think you make a legitimate point. I just don't know how Dable's going to deal with this because I don't have enough experience with him to know his inner workings. I know one thing, Davis Webb will be ready. Had a hell of a preseason. If they need him to go in, he will be ready. Be fascinating if we get Davis Webb in England. Now, defensively, a couple, you know, hat tips, badges of honor. I know you have one that I'm going to let you give out in a second, but the three names first that come to my mind, number one, Dexter Lawrence might have had his best game as a New York Giant, best game of his career, and filling that hole of Leonard Williams, which was lacking in the Dallas game. He was so good, and the pass rush and the bull rushes and the get-two sacks, Great game from Dexter Lawrence. I thought Fabian Moreau, the moment that Aaron Robinson got hurt in that game, has two huge pass deflections. I know another one could have been caught. didn't matter. He made the right reads and the right plays, and he has proven to be a very capable backup, smart, heady player. And what what was the word you used a couple weeks ago? They needed uh, some grand grandpappies. Fabian Moreau has served as that grandpappy in a good way at cornerback for the Giants to be good. And a guy who I've shredded, although he's made the most of his career as a Mr. Irrelevant, Tate Crowder was all over the field. He was all over the field on Sunday. A lot of pops made his presence felt. He had an excellent game. And really, I mean, I know I personally I personally look at yesterday's win, and I say Fabian Moreau, Tate Crowder, Dexter Lawrence. The Giants cannot win the game without one of those three even being on the field. They were that good for them on Sunday. Let me give you two more guys on defense because it really was a strong defensive effort considering that I believe when uh, the game was finally over, Chicago had gone 0 for 3 in the red zone uh, having to settle for field goals. I mean, they just could not get it across the goal line. And that says a lot about this defense, certainly their bend but don't break mentality. And we know about the six sacks with the pass rush. Dexter Lawrence, by the way, I think the number was 98% he played snaps, which is by far the most of his career. I mean, that's a big man we're talking about. Okay, the gas tank can run low when yeah. you're that large. But it well, did I not could, take I, could, I, I was going to say, I could be wrong, but I think the two snaps he might have been off the field for might have been after each of his sacks where he just needed a quick oxygen and yeah. water and got back on the field. He missed four snaps in the game. Okay, I'm looking at the number now. 58 out of 62. That's amazing. That is great, amazing. Great game. My, my bouquets on defense have to go to Jalen Smith, who, you know, is a run-stuffing linebacker. And I thought they contained the Bears' running game. I know they had about 150 yards, and Fields ran for about 50 himself at quarterback. But when it came time for to prove the effectiveness of the Bears' run game, to try to take control of the tempo and the flow of the game, they couldn't do it. And I thought that Smith really filled a lot of gaps. And what impressed me, he had seven combined tackles. Check this out. On only 31 snaps, Sean. 31 wow. snaps. That is really nice efficiency. That's Six solos, by the way. Yeah, that's okay. unbelievable. That's so, unbelievable. So, so that turns out to be a very fortuitous signing. I still think if he had been in the lineup earlier, I know he wasn't ready, only a few days in. 
I think he could have made a difference against the Cowboys. And then I thought the other guy on defense who really showed me something was Dane Belton. You know, okay. let me say something. When they picked up Tony Jefferson, who had been released by the Ravens, and we all said, well, he's a Wink Martindale guy. And we know the Giants could use some depth in the secondary. And, well, they brought Jefferson in. And they activated him twice off the practice squad. You only get three for the season. And they used two, two yeah. in the first few weeks. And you're saying, well, okay, let's see. How are they going to play this out strategically? Because there were some people who said to me, oh, as soon as they get to the third game, they'll elevate him to the 53 right away. And I'm like, well, not so fast because Belton's healthy. They threw him in there with only a week and a half worth of practice right. playing the deep safety. Maybe, just maybe, Tony Jefferson stays on the practice squad and we'll see what happens with Belton. And what yeah. do you know? Belton was the guy yesterday. And, and you know, <laughs> Dave, Dave Belton's a player. Which would be great. It would be great to find a you know a real quality. Play. Oh, by the way, they did that with Julian Love, a real quality day three guy in the back end of that secondary. I'm glad you brought up Tony Jefferson because I think one of the last points we're going to need to get to on this podcast, and who knows where it goes, and who knows if it's old news by the time you listen to this. But there is the report. I mean, Landon Collins is coming in for a workout here, our old friend with the Giants coming in to work out. Now, it would look like it would have to be more of a hybrid. You would think of him more of a linebacker role. But that sort of feels like the role that they were giving Tony Jefferson. I don't know, Paul. I don't know if this is going to materialize as anything. He was a quality player before he got hurt. He's still only 28 years old. Is there a chance we sign Landon Collins? And if they do, what would be his kind of role? Well, Collins, uh, what do you have, 80-something tackles with uh, Washington last season, ended the year with a foot injury. And, oh, by the way, you want to talk about a guy who's got a lot of mileage on his tires? Oh, yeah. That's Landon Collins. Yeah. He has had so many different injuries. Look, it's one of the reasons, Sean, it's one of the main reasons why the Giants did not resign him for big right. money. His contract was up a few years ago. He went to three Pro Bowls with the Giants. And then they allowed him to walk. Well, it was simple. They looked at the kind of money he was going to command based on his pure production and said, okay, look at the amount of time he's missed. Look at the serious injuries that he's had. The risk-reward is, is, is not there. You just right. can't spend that kind of money on a guy who has had so much mileage. And the, the rare, is, smart free agency decision. It was. I know. It I know. was. It was a very smart move by Gettleman. And, I know. And, and you know what? Washington, even though I believe he did have one 100-yard tackle season in his three years uh, down there, I think we would all agree they didn't get what they paid for. Oh, for sure. But, Paul, look. We know clearly that that contract didn't work out. We know clearly he's two years moved from the Achilles, last year foot injury, and we know he's not on a home here after week four. So we understand that Landon Collins can't sign with the New York Giants for big money in any way, and we oh. understand that, that his days really as a safety are probably over, and this would have to really be a box kind of linebacker. Yeah. But everything you said about injuries and mounting and all of that, well, you could make the same case and apply it to Jalen Smith as well, and now we see Jalen Smith for basically no cost coming up and making plays for the Giants. Landon Collins could be that kind of player for the Giants. There's no reason he couldn't be, and you wouldn't be spending anything on him. I, I think it's a very intriguing workout. I really do. I know there's comfortability from us as fans because, you know, you can see the Landon Collins jerseys get broken out again. But 
I mean, it's possible he comes here. I just find it interesting, though, that they'd even bring him in for a workout. I know he was, I think it was Stapleton had the tweet that he was basically, you know, ahead of all the injuries as he was being worked out because some people pointed to the Julian Love stuff. But with Tony Jefferson already here, I just, I don't, I found this one very peculiar. Yeah, you would think that they would be in a similar spot in the scheme, right? Because the right. box safety, who's going to be uh, in the sub package, I I absolutely see your point. To me, they are very similar styles of players. And Wink having the Ravens connection with Jefferson, it makes you scratch your head. Well, why are they like bypassing him to right. maybe bring right. in Landon Collins? I, I, I think it's a very legit question. I'm not sure I understand why he's a better fit. Maybe the Giants in their month or so with Jefferson on the practice field yeah. have decided he's not everything that they thought he was. Could be. It could be. It's certainly intriguing and certainly put it this way. It's very rare that a, a practice squad potential signing with elevations. We get a giant fans really pepped up. Landon Collins was a guy who was liked by fans. So certainly, certainly yeah. worth monitoring. All right, Paul, when do you, are, are you headed to London? When are you headed to London? No, I'm going to be doing the MSG post game show from studio. Is that uh, right? Weekend. Yes. Is that right? We don't get Paul Cherio in England. All right. I was going to say, when are we going to tape this next one? But I guess London's be- not ready for me. It's not. <laughs> so, are I you guess, kidding? I guess we will keep our normal podcast schedule for the week. That's yes, like we will. Plan. The fans will not be disappointed. We will be on time as expected. All right. So, this is going to be a really important week to follow on Twitter for injury updates and check out Paul, who will be a part of those press conferences. Paul, your Twitter handle is at Giants WFAN. And you can follow me and my meltdowns if I got to watch Davis Webb throw a couple picks on Sunday. At oh, relax. CBS. Relax. I am. I am. We're three and one. Now we can joke around when being negative. It's all right. We're three and one. Living our best life. We're in a playoff spot, damn it. We don't, we're not even in the in the hunt graphic. We're in right now. We're in. Thank you, everybody, for taking one giant step with us. <laughs> <laughs>